0: Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Gracias Leticia. Just to summarize her story, she, um, she was saying that her, uh, her son, she brought him when he was a baby and um, so he was having problems and, and, she, and he ended up having to go to Mexico for a year because that was what the lawyer had recommended. And when he was there, he got into some trouble. So then they told him he was gonna be there for three years. And then she was saying she saw the hand of God move as her son was out there as she continued to have hope and um, she continued to believe that God was gonna do something and praise the Lord, he didn't have to stay out there for three years, he was able to come back in one year. So what a blessing, praise the Lord, (laughs) hallelujah, hallelujah. It is such a joy to be able to share God's word. I love being able to share God's word. Um, I have a student, his name is Ruben, and he has um, a few disabilities. He has a hearing aid, and then he also has ADHD, and then he also has this other thing where he's, it, it's difficult for him to process. But he is such a cute little boy. He's a sixth grade little boy. And every time I ask for a volunteer to, to to come up and share something with whatever lesson I'm giving, he's the first one to come up. And he comes up with confidence. And he comes up and he's excited about what he's going to share. And he just... he. I just he's such a blessing because I look at his life I look at his disabilities and in spite of all of those little disabilities that he has he continues to just fight forward and tonight it's a joy to be able to share God's Word and um, so tonight I just want to ask you a question when you think of who was the most gracious in suffering who do you think of in Scripture Who was the one that suffered the most and he was gracious about his suffering? Job. And when you think about who was the wisest in scripture, who was the wisest? Solomon. And when you think about who was the most beloved by Jesus, what disciple? John. And when you think about who was the strongest, Samson. So we all know the story about Samson, and that's what I'm going to be reading tonight, the story of Samson. If you can open up your Bibles and stand with me, if you will. I'm going to ask you to stand just out of respect for his word tonight, and just, uh, just so that we get our juices flowing also. So, Judges chapter 13, verses 24 and verse 25. The woman gave birth to a boy. And named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanadan between Zorah and Ishtol. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is your word that changes our life. It is your word, my God, that is spoken. When it is spoken, my God, is able to transform our mind, transform our thinking. And I just pray, my God, that tonight... as as your word is spoken, that this story of Samson, my God, that we would be able to grab a hold of of the truth that is being proclaimed tonight, and live it out, my God, and we pray in your precious strong name, Jesus, and all of God's people said, amen. You may go ahead and be seated. Tonight, um, the message that I'm going to speak, I'm going to title it, uh, Grow in Strength. That's our theme this year. We are in, this is the second week We are embarking in a year of growth. And um, as as, uh, Juan mentioned, we've had the roof taken care of. We've had, um, we painted the outside of the church. Well, some paint, I didn't paint it. But we've been able to paint the outside of the church. And then our church was tented this week. And then the Lord just quickened me that, you know, when when we had the tent on, that God's stretching out. It's time to stretch out our tent. Amen? God is doing something so it is time to grow in strength god wants us to grow in strength samson grew and the lord blessed him in the hebrew that word grew is gadal. and of course it means to grow but it also means to become great god wants us to gadal. he wants us to become great amen and then God is calling us to grow. God is calling us to become great. Verse 25, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanadan between Zora and Ishtol. The Spirit of the Lord, the Hebrew word for the Spirit of the Lord that began to stir up Samson is Rau. No, Ruah. I'm sorry, not Rau. Ruah. So it was his Ruah, and um, the definition, well, of course, we know it's the Spirit of God, but it is God imparting warlike energy to execute and administrate the powers of heaven. And God was stirring up Samson. He was stirring him up with his powers so that Samson could do something mighty because God had a plan for his people. Amen? I pray that we position ourselves to be in a place where we are growing, where we are becoming great, whatever that great is. And I'm not talking about something where your ego is filled, but I'm talking about growing up in the Lord. I'm talking about being mature in the Lord, whether it's in his word, whether it's in your in your career, whatever it is that God is calling you to do. God is calling us to grow and to be great. Isn't that a beautiful promise? How exciting is that, that God is calling us to grow, to be great? So this whole story of Samson, there's four chapters, and I'm gonna start with um, chapter 13, verses one through five, and I'm gonna give an outline of a lot of the highlights of Samson's life and some of the things that happened to him, and then I'm gonna bring it home because I have three points. And um, I really believe that God has put this in my heart. There was like three messages that I was struggling with, and then just boom, it happened, and it came to me, and I was like, okay, Lord, this is what you wanna say. So verses um, one through five in chapter 13. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines. So the Philistines here represent the enemy. And they were in the hands of the Philistine for 40 years. Then verse two: A certain man, Zora, from I'm sorry, the, a certain man of Zora named Manoah, from the clan of the Danites, had a wife, and she was uh, child childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, "You are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you do not drink wine, or Fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. You know, um, Samson's mom and dad were given specific instructions. And do you know, Sister Crystal? Um, the Lord has given her specific instructions not to cut Israel's hair. <laughs> because he's going to be our future Samson. I'm kidding. I, I, think he, I think I've asked him a couple of times how come he doesn't, doesn't want to cut his hair. He was wearing a man bun, but, you know, a <laughs> little man bun. But um, he hasn't cut his hair, so who knows? God might be separating him for some great purposes. Amen? I believe that. So the instructions for Samson's life were very clear, and they were laid out because God had a plan. This was the plan of God for his people. God always is able to provide a plan. See, the children of Israel, they were being, they were in a place for 40 years where they were being um, overruled by the Philistines. The Israelites, they had already, they began to compromise in in their walk with God, And they were doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. And as you read Judges, you'll see it over and over again. The theme of Judges is that they um, did whatever was right in their own eyes. They were leaning on their own understanding. They had moved away from God. They were, and um, I think about this, you know, they were for 40 years living um, under the rule of the uh, Philistines. And I, I, I was thinking, it's kind of like Stockholm Syndrome. Have you ever heard of that word, Stockholm Syndrome? It, well, yeah, psychology. Um, it's when, it's when, um, it's a, con, a psychological condition that causes hostages to develop uh, an alliance with the captors as a survival strategy during their captivity. So it almost seems that the Israelites were experiencing this Stockholm Syndrome. And nothing was happening. They were getting more and they were uh, growing more and more away from or getting more away from God. Um, That doesn't sound right, but they were moving away from God. But God had a plan. He provided Samson from the time that Samson was born. God had a plan for his people. We all know that the 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 story of Samson and Delilah. But maybe some of us have missed that Delilah wasn't the only Philistine that he was messing with. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that was, she was not the only Philistine. There was an, uh, two other women uh, prior to uh, Delilah. And um, so in chapter 14, verse 1, um, oh, so you see the birth of Samson. He's born, and, and then it moves from his birth right away to his adulthood. It never talks about what he did during his teenage life. But um, Samson is strong, and, and I, I imagine that, you know, he might have— Maybe showed his parents a few things, a few tricks. Maybe, you know, he was able to hug his mom, and his mom's like, ah. But um, um, Samson, he he grew up, and he became this man. And uh, apparently he was living at the top of some mountain. But um, chapter 14, verse 1 says, Samson went down to Timnah, and he saw there a young Philistine woman. And when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now go get her for me as my wife. And as I read that, I was like, he sounds like a spoiled little brat, you know? Almost, I'm just like really impulsive. Go get her for my wife. And then what what do his parents say? Um, His father and his mother reply, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. You know, verse 4 says his parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over him, over Israel. And it's kind of confusing. It's like, why would God want him to marry somebody that is a Philistine, the enemy? Why would, but God was stirring him and he was planning this. But so, when we see what God is doing behind the scenes, there was some other things that were going on too. And God was also calling him to be obedient to him. But right here we see that there was something going on. So um, he wanted her to be his wife. So he asked his dad to go get her. And I just a side note right now, since we'll be having a singles discipleship dinner next week. Hello. Um, you know, marriage could be such an amazing blessing. I love being married. It's, it's a beautiful relationship that you can have with a person when it's the right relationship, especially if you m- marry the right person. And as a Christian, we have no business marrying somebody that doesn't have the same values, the same faith as us. Why? Because, you know, the first year, yeah, you have a honeymoon, and yeah, you know, he might not be a Christian, and you might get married to him, and you might be in love, and everything will work out fine. But after the honeymoon, you know, marriage can be challenging. And especially if you marry somebody that doesn't have the same values and the same love that you have for God. Because what ends up happening is when you have kids, that's when everything starts dividing you. When you, for Christmas, want to come to church, your spouse whether it's your husband or your wife and if they're not christian they're going to want to go to the mall you're going to want to come to worship god and give of your offerings and your spouse if they're not a believer they're not going to understand um how to give to god and i'm speaking from experience not because i married somebody that's an unbeliever but my sister i saw the challenges that she went through and the heartache and the pain and the tears and she still struggles Because my dad told her, don't marry him. He's not a believer. But she was in love and she wanted to marry this man. She married him and then, you know, it's just, it's been a struggle for her. So I wanna warn you, as a young person, listen to wisdom. Yeah, when you get my age, you can say, listen to wisdom. (laughs) Listen, listen to wisdom. Don't marry somebody that is not a believer because your relationship you want somebody that loves God more than you because they're gonna they're gonna love you and they're gonna love you unconditionally you are worth a lot and deserve God's best so wait be patient wait because when you wait on God God's gonna bless you Samson didn't wait he went ahead and he he decided that he wanted to to, to marry this philistine, uh, woman who was from Timnah. So he travels with his parents, and the story says that somehow he was separated from his parents, and some ta- somehow he ends up in a place where some lion comes out to attack him. And then verse uh, 6 of chapter four, uh, 14, The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat but he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. All alone out there, he was able to fight this lion. You know, we hear the story of Hercules, 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 right? And we think of maybe Samson looking kind of like, you know, um, what Arnold Schwarzenegger used to look like, right, a bunch of muscles. But I don't know that he had a bunch of muscles. We know that he was strong, but I don't know that, you know, he was, you know, maybe he was. but for whatever reason he was able to do this he was alone and it's just interesting that he was able to um, um, tear this lion apart you know with his bare hands but it says that the Lord came powerfully upon him and then sometime later he returns back to the story goes back to him um, with this uh, woman that's from Timnah and he's getting ready to marry her so there's this whole feast that takes place and he's there with the family, and and they, for some reason they d- go decide that yeah, okay, go ahead and marry her. So they're at this party, and um, for some odd reason, and I don't know, maybe you know, maybe they all knew that he was a muscle man, but he also wanted to show them that you know he had some intellect. So he he has he gives them a riddle. He tells them this riddle, and he and he challenges them. He tells them, hey, if you can tell me what this riddle means. Um, I'll give you 30 garments. But if I tell you what this riddle means after seven days, you give me 30 garments. Maybe, you know, he was impressed with their clothes. Maybe they had some Chanel and some Gucci. Whatever it was, he wanted their clothes. So, and then for whatever reason, he wants to prove that he's, you know, maybe he had a little ego here for some reason, but he gives them this riddle. He says, out of the eater, something to eat out of the strong, something sweet. So he challenges the whole bridal party or whoever's there at this, this whole party. And he says, if you can guess the riddle after seven days, then, then I'll give you these garments. So the Philistine girl from Timnah, um, you know, they, they, the Philistines get a hold of her and they threaten to burn her and her father if she, does, if she doesn't get the answer. See, the enemy is ruthless and ready to destroy, right? The Bible says that she asked him to tell her. She nagged him. She nagged him for seven days. Have you ever been nagged by somebody? Have you ever been nagged by somebody? (laughs) When I was in the fifth grade, I remember my sister for some reason got this, you know, thing that she wanted to cut my hair. I had long hair when I was in the fifth grade. And the morning started, she wanted to cut my hair. Let me cut your hair, let me cut your hair. I'm like, no, I don't want you to cut my hair. Then the afternoon, let me cut your hair, come on. She was bringing the scissors, come on, just sit down over here and I'll cut your hair. And I was like, no, I don't wanna cut my hair. And then um, later on, um, like towards the end of the night, she nagged me that day, she nagged me. And finally she cut my hair and she really messed up my hair. And I just remember crying, and I remember my mom having to try to fix it. But my sister really, she used to abuse me a lot. And I've shared this before. And then we always share when I tell her, you know, you used to do this to me. She's like, yeah, I was building character in you. So praise the Lord for that because she did help make me strong (laughs) and um, help me to learn how to fight for my rights. But the Bible says that she asked him to tell her, and she, she nagged him. So the Timna woman, the Philistine woman, uh, she cried the whole seven days of the feast. You know, I know, guys, for you, it's hard to turn away a woman when they start to cry, right? So she's crying for the whole seven days. So finally, um, she's pressing him. The Bible says she pressed him. And then she in turn, uh, so he ends up telling her. He ends up telling her what the riddle meant. And then she goes, and then she tells the, the people at the party. So when Samson comes back to the party, and then they, t- they give him the answer what it meant. So then Samson makes good on his word. He leaves the, the party, and then he goes to solve the problem. He finds 30 Philistine, and he kills them. The Bible says that he takes them down, kills them, and takes their clothes, and gives them uh, the clothes to the Philistine that had um, won. So he, there he is, he's giving it, you know, they cheated, but he still made good on what he said he was gonna do. So it's, it's almost like Samson took this wedding party to a whole new level. And to make it worse, the story gets even crazier. When he goes back with the garments and he goes back to, to where his new bride is, you know, this woman that he fell in love with, her father tells him what well, you left so I gave her away to somebody else. And Samson's like, what? And, and then he says, yeah, I gave her away to somebody else. You left. I thought you didn't want to marry her. And he goes, and then he throws his daughter under the bus. He says, take my younger daughter. She's prettier and she's more attractive. And so Samson just, you know, all of a sudden, he's just starting to get really, really mad at this point. So then he goes and he, the Bible says that he catches 300 foxes. He ties them together, he puts torches in them, and then he lets them go. And I don't know if this was at night or during the day, but if it was at night, you could probably see from the wherever the Philistines were, they saw all of a sudden all of this burning up, everything's burning. They're like, who's burning this up? Who's doing this? And they found out that it was Samson. So when they found out that it was Samson that had burned up these fields, um, they went and they found him and, um, I'm sorry, When they found out that it was Samson that set the fires, what they did is they took the Timna woman and her father and burned them up. So here he is, it's a tragic loss for him. He loses the woman that he fell in love with. And I'm sure he couldn't stop thinking about her. He wanted her so bad. But you know, between her and Delilah, there was a prostitute that he ends up with. So Samson seems to be struggling with some addiction. You know, the Bible's, you know, and he's struggling with some addiction. And it's a a sexual drive that he has that just, it's almost uncontrolled. So Samson appears to be, you know, a sex addict. And in uh, chapter 16, verse 1, it says, One day uh, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. And he went to spend the night with her. And then he spends the night with her and then they try to you know catch him or they're they're just they're after samson they're angry with samson they want to get him they want to take him down and he's angry with the philistines also so there's like this whole revenge cycle that's just taking place in this whole story but what ends up happening is that he ends up falling in love with delilah so it's the Timna woman, the prostitute, and then he falls in love with Delilah. And we all know the story of how she deceives him. Three times she manages to try to get information out of him as to where his strength lies. If, you were a, um, if there was a woman that took you to bed and is sitting there and telling you, how can I tie you up, how can I keep you down? Would that be a red flag for you to run? But apparently it wasn't for him. He fell in love with her, and every time she was able to deceive him. And Samson is just such a conflicted man. He's been called to do great things for God, and yet he struggles with women. And um, for some of us, you know, God has called us to do great things for him. For some of us, maybe it's not women. Maybe it's drug addiction, or maybe it's alcohol, or maybe it's just something that continues to take or distract us. And here we see this man of God who was so conflicted. He had these power, he was, he had this powerful warrior abilities but couldn't master his sexual needs. See, Samson's life reveals how God can use human imperfections to fulfill his purpose. Amen? There's three things that we can learn from Samson, and I believe, one, we are called to live a holy life. God called Samson to be a Nazirite. That meant he had to take the vow where he couldn't drink wine. He couldn't cut his hair, and he couldn't touch anything that was dead. God called him to be separate, and God is calling us to be separate. God wanted him to grow in greatness. God wanted him to gadal, to become great, and God is calling us to become great god wanted to empower him at times when he needed to be empowered god was there empowering him with his ruah so our first lesson we're called to live a holy life as christians we have a higher calling than the pursuit of happiness let me say that again we have a higher calling than the pursuit of happiness it is the pursuit of holiness. God is calling us to be a holy people, a royal priesthood. We are not the same as other people. We are different. Yes, we are different. Amen? Because we are called to be separate. Like Samson, we are called to be separated from this world's way of life. We're not normal. If you're a kid and you're a teenager and you're thinking, man, I, I... I'm not normal. I don't get to do the things that my friends get to do. No, you're not normal. We are not normal. We are peculiar people. We belong to a king. We are a royal priesthood. Amen. He was a Nazarite. The Nazarite has almost the same meaning as the word holy, which means sanctified. See, Paul clearly states, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, and 18. Amen. You have a destiny. God has called you to greatness. God has called you to become great, whether it's to go to school for a year to get your bachelor's degree, whether it's for you to go to school for two more years to get your master's degree. And I'm saying one year because some brother told me earlier that he's going to go for a year and he's going to get his bachelor's. So that was just confirmation. Thank you, Jesus. God wants to grow us up. He wants us to become great. How you grew up as a child, I want you to take note because God wants to use those things, all those things that happened to you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And He wants you to make the connection that it was in those times that God was preparing you to do something great. God was in your life and He's brought you to this point. He's brought you to this place and He wants to take you to a better place. Amen. So the second lesson is that he grew and he, be, and he became something great. Hebrews lists him as one of, in the faith, in, in, the, in the hall of faith, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, it mentions Samson, that Samson was a man of faith. Yes, he had flaws. Yes, he made mistakes, but he had faith. Many of us have been in the church for years, and we are still not growing up the way God wants us to grow up. We are fat little babies. We want our milk, and we don't mean maybe. We know the Bible verse, John three sixteen, but we only want to be fed. We only want to be fed. We don't want to give of ourselves. And, you know, part of helping us grow up is giving of ourselves. Amen? God wants you to become great. Yes, Samson was not perfect. No way, Jose. Yet, Jose. (laughs) Yet the Lord used him and blessed him. He grew in his faith. One of the most fascinating things about Samson was that he never had an army. Isn't that cool? He never had an army. God empowered him to do what he needed to do to fight the battle, and he did it alone. You know, sometimes as a leader, you're going to have to stand alone and you're going to have to trust and believe for God's power to fight those battles. Sometimes you might just be moving tables all alone, cleaning bathrooms all alone, but God is going to fill you with power to do the impossible because God has a plan for Victory Outreach Inglewood. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. See, he operated. The third thing is that he operated in the power of God. You've heard the the movie um, Straight Out of Compton. Well, Samson is the real OG because his straight his strength came straight out of heaven. God blew His breath on him. God poured out His spirit on. On, on Samson, as strong as Samson was, we must remember that his strength came straight from God. Without God, he is as str- he is as strong as any other ordinary man. But God has called us to be strong, and He has called us, and He is willing to breathe life into us. Amen. Um, chapter 14, verse 6 says, "The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, so that he tore the lion apart." And then chapter 14, verse 19 says, "'Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, "'and he went down to Ashkelon, "'struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything.'" And then chapter 15, verse 14 says, "'As he approached Lehi Lehi, the Philistines came toward him, "'shouting, and the Spirit of the Lord "'came powerfully upon him. "'The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and he struck down a thousand men. With the jawbone of a donkey, he was able to defeat a thousand men. He was empowered by God to defeat the enemy. And today, you know, in the spiritual realm, God wants to give you the resources. He wants to show you and he wants you to understand that you have the ability to slay the enemy. Tonight, we are demon slayers. God has called us to 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 slay the strongholds of darkness. And I want to encourage you to believe and to envision when you are praying. Pastor Kevin challenged us to see the vision that when we are praying that we are right before the throne of God and that God is breathing his power on us. He is pouring out his spirit. You know, this building, I was thinking about it. This building was not something that we retrofitted to make it a church. This building was erected to be the church. It used to be a four square church, which is a Pentecostal movement. And I know that those that built this church from the very beginning, the foundation, the walls, it was built with a purpose to proclaim the good news. As this Ram Stadium begins to be built, You know, Billy Graham died last year. He used to fill up Coliseums. I am believing that that Ram Stadium is gonna be filled with sheep because God is gonna raise up a people. God is gonna raise up a nation. He's gonna pour out his spirit and there is gonna be revival in the land we are going to be a part of that process god is calling us to to come before him and to trust him and to believe him that he is able to pour out his spirit some of us are walking in our own strength and god is saying no more no more trust me trust me he's saying no more don't walk on your own strength don't do things on your own strength don't lean on your own strength Go back, return to your first love. Get to the place where God called you. Get to the place where you remember, and you remember God loved you, and you changed your life, and and you remember the touch of God. I just want to encourage you tonight that you need to believe that God wants to give you the spiritual authority straight out of heaven. He wants to breathe life into us. Amen? You know, some of us walk around, and, and we think about, Oh, a long time ago, this place used to be filled with people. Last year, we used to have a lot of people. You know what? We need to stop looking in the flesh and start looking. That was the past. We're going to the future, and we are in the present. Right now, God is calling us to do something for Him. God is calling us to roll up our sleeves and show up tomorrow to evangelize, to go out to the streets, to the byways. We know somebody that's struggling. There are people out there in the streets that are hurting. There are some, you know, we talk about zombie apocalypse. There are some people, I, I, I've said this before, and then it was on the news last night. I saw where they were reporting that there's these drugs that people are taking. I forget what it is. Uh, yes, yeah, whatever it is, you guys know. And these people are responding and doing strange things. The enemy is trying to take this nation down. The enemy is trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And God is calling us to rise up, to walk in his authority, to walk in his, you know, in his power, amen? So again, God has called us to be separated. God has called us to be holy. And whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever it is that you're compromising, let's roll up our sleeves and just you know, bring it before God and say, God, help me. Help me stay strong. And we are called to grow. God has called us to become something great. And then God wants to pour out his spirit. In closing, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. You know, after he was deceived by Delilah, he was captured. And, um, you know, he was laying in her lap. And she managed to get the information as to where his strength was. The, his strength was in his hair. And after she, she, uh, the Philistines cut his hair, You know, he was asleep, but then he woke up and he thought he was going to be able to fight. But his strength was God, I mean, gone. He did not know that the Lord was not with him anymore. You know, some of us are doing ministry and we're doing things for God, but we're not really operating in the fullness of God. And I want us to be challenged tonight. I don't want us to fall asleep. I want us to stay woke. You know, God is calling us to stay woke. You know, unfortunately, Samson had some bad choices that he made and um but he didn't know that God had left him and then in verse uh, chapter 16 verse 25 it says while they were there in high spirits this is after he was captured he was put in prison he was humiliated and they were all celebrating drinking and they were worshiping their God I think it was Dagon is that was that their God Dagon They were worshiping their false idols, and they were like, yeah, we won. We beat Samson's God. And they were just like, you know, mocking probably. And and the Bible says that there were all these rulers. The Bible says in verse 27, Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there on the roof. And there were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. They were laughing, they were making him perform. And the Bible says that he, he, they had gouged out his eyes so he was blind, he didn't have strength anymore. They were humiliating him. But then in verse 28, this is a comeback right here, the greatest comeback. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. He was blind, humiliated, humbled. He prayed to the Lord and he said, Sovereign Lord, Remember me please God strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then verse 29 says then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on the on which were in the temple where the temple stood bracing himself against them his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other Samson said let me die with the philistines then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it thus he killed more people on the day that he died than when he lived he killed more people he did more damage on the day of his death amen that's a comeback story right there that's a comeback story he struggled he struggled but God had a plan God had a plan and then later on we see that King David ends up taking down the Philistines let's stand tonight Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says so the Lord said to me this is what the word of the Lord said to Zerubbabel not by might nor by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. Today, God wants to pour out his spirit upon us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you are not operating in the fullness of God, I want you to come to the altar. If you know somebody that's not operating in the fullness of God and you wanna come intercede for them, come to the altar. I am believing that God wants to pour out his spirit upon you. God is showing you something tonight God is bringing revelation to you. Hallelujah. We praise you and thank you, my God, because we know that you are the God of impossibilities. We know that you are a God that is able to take a life, transform them, take them to greatness, fill us with your power, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Te adoramos, Señor. Te glorificamos. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, come on, lift up your hands, come to the altar.